Alright, hello y'all. Welcome to Art Sipstery, where we discuss all things art history. I'm your host, Sarah, and today I have a special guest, which is my husband. Hey, how's it going? And we are going to talk about Mark Costaby. Now, I'm mainly going to talk about uh, Mark Costaby, and my husband is going to add some commentary. Yes, keep it keep it really fun and easy <laughs> and cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to start at the beginning of Mark Costaby's life. Now, it's pronounced Costaby, but I've also heard people say like Costaby, but it's spelled like K-O-S-T-A-B-I. He was born to Estonian immigrant parents on November 27th, 1960 in Los Angeles, California. And he's the third child out of four. And his parents actually named him Khalif. I think I'm saying that right. Not too sure. Um, Honestly, I really like that name. I think it's a cool name. I think it would work now. But I I get why he changed it because, you know. Sounds like a rock star name. Yeah, it does. But... It's unclear when he changed it, and he just dropped it and gave himself the name Mark. I can't really picture him, though, as a Khalif, like, seeing who he, what he looks like and who he looks like. I can't picture him as a Khalif, but Mark and his family were middle class, but he states that at times they didn't have a car. I don't know how accurate that is, but during the time period, I'm guessing, like, I mean, maybe you just fluctuated between cars. Who knows? His parents kept him afloat, though his mom was a professional piano teacher and his dad made instruments. So very musical, musical family. Um, In his early life, Mark himself claims that he knew he was destined to be an artist just when he was six years old. He would constantly be making tons of drawings. And according to him, he would even sell them like at six years old in elementary school, selling art pieces in the playground. I mean, maybe, maybe in the playground, but honestly, that's like, that's some skill because... Trading crayons for the drawings. Yeah, I could, but I remember like drawing a bunch of Digimon drawings and people always thought like, you know, kids thought that they were really cool, but none of them would buy them. Like, I don't think I could sell my Digimon drawings. That's Mm -hmm. kind of a... I used to trace a lot, so... Wow. Not not original. (laughs) Starting your art career as a forger. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit. But so not only did he aspire to be an artist at six years old, but I honestly think he could have been a cool salesperson too. Around the time he was 12, Mark kind of shifted from drawings and he moved on to painting. He says that he went on to oil painting at 12 years old, which is kind of a big deal. (laughs) Um, If anybody's done oil painting, which we have, it's not fun to work with no. at first. Especially back in the day. I'm pretty sure he got high all the time. Well, yeah. Well, you're using paint thinner. And now we have like off-brand paint thinner that doesn't now, cost... now we know better. Yeah. Now we know. Well, didn't it like Bob Ross, he... I'm pretty sure he got like cancer from the paint thinner. Yeah. I mean, he dealt with that every day. Yeah. Uh, okay. He beat the... the devil out of it. <laughs> okay. Well, Bob Ross is a different story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so can... <laughs> would be bullied and made fun of um especially because his parents had an accent since they were immigrants and also he was just like the weird art kid and i mean some people in his that know him think that he might have made this up or they don't know if it's entirely true but as the weird art kid in school i could see that yeah and as as the immigrant myself i i see that yeah i think i think so i don't think it's made up but 
we'll get into why they think it's made up <laughs> as the story goes on. Um, Mark stated because he, he was bullied that, you know, art was his outlet and it kind of pushed him more and more towards that future career. So when Mark was in high school, he wanted to be a comic book artist, but he realized they don't make that much money and he can do more with just being an actual fine arts artist. And he decided just to go for it. Mark graduated high school and he attended California State University Fullerton, where he studied painting and drawing. He was told early on not to study anatomy and art and just go straight to like contemporary art, which at the time period where he was attending college in uh, the 80s, well, not 80s, but like the 70s, early 80s, that there was a huge shift in, in the art scene to to go for that contemporary. So I understand why they pushed him to go contemporary instead of anatomy. And this paid off for him because that's what the art world was all about. And according to people around him at the time, he liked to challenge professors and people around him, which looking back on my college days, I don't think I could ever challenge my professors. And just knowing how Mark is in his later days, I honestly can't imagine what it was like to be his professor because he was honestly just a dick so if he hmm. continued that persona like from college to his art world i don't i don't know like looking back at all my professors in college like i didn't challenge them like i kind of questioned them but i didn't challenge challenge them i i just was like hey this is kind of a stupid project or you know something i did once you did yeah. what happened uh, i failed the class oh like the the professor actually failed you yeah because you challenged him yeah, and I got embarrassed and during, during a critique. Man. Also, I had a professor that walked around with a hammer and destroyed any ceramic piece that was ugly. Oh, okay. So, well. Yeah. Um, that, was, that was fun. That's traumatizing. It is. <laughs> Honestly. All right. <laughs> during this time in college, he walked into a gallery on La Siena Boulevard. This is where he meets Molly Barnes. Now, Molly is credited with finding Mark and jump-starting his whole entire career, which this is completely true. Molly even states it in a couple interviews that I saw. Mark even states it, and a couple people around his um, world state that Molly Barnes is the person that put Mark on the map. Now, Molly owned her gallery on La Siena Boulevard from, like, 1967 to 1983. And according to Marley... Marley? Wow. According to Molly... Wow, and you're sober. Oh, my gosh. I know. (laughs) According to Molly, 19-year-old Mark walked in just super disheveled, kind of crazy hair, asking her if she could look at his portfolio. And Molly was probably just like, uh, okay, like, sure, man, let's look at these, right? Mark had these super simple black and white drawings. Uh, Now, I say simple as not to insult his work, because they really were simple, just black and white, very thick line drawings, but they told such amazing stories with it like very intriguing stories so it's just kind of funny that these art pieces just were straight to the point but it was so simply done so a lot of people just ate this up so molly at this point asked mark if he could leave the drawings with her and so he did and now during just one day molly sold all of these drawings that mark left she sold them for 20 bucks all these people got an early cost to be for super cheap it's cheap for us today like twenty dollars buying is cheap but i think in the late 70s or 80s 
I'm pretty sure it might be expensive, but I'm not about to do math at this point. I can do that. Okay. Give me a second. All right. Keep I'll going. give you a second. So Mark went back to the gallery the next day and Molly was like, do you have more of these? Uh, we need more. You sold them all. Well, he didn't sell them all. She sold them all. <laughs> kind of where Mark got his start. So twenty dollars in nineteen eighty three or early eighties mm -hmm. is fifty six dollars in today's. Class. Okay, so that's like that's pretty pretty expensive. I mean, not expensive for art, but it is like on the higher price for just sketches. Yeah, for sketches, yeah, that's that's pretty. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Molly told Mark that if he wants to make it big, he's going to have to go to New York. And Mark took that idea, bought a bus ticket, and headed off to NYC. And from that point on, um, Mark's six-year-old dream was actually becoming a real... Re wow, I can't... Oh, I am sober. <laughs> so from that point on, Mark's six-year-old dream of becoming an artist was now becoming a reality. Okay, before we get into Mark in New York City, I want to tell you what it's like to be in the East Village in New York during... Ooh, in the 80s. Yeah, during the 80s. Because a, a lot, lot of, of people... A lot of drugs. Yes. A lot of... Basically the whole entire movie of Rent. <laughs> Rent? <laughs> yes, the East Village. A lot of cocaine. A lot of cocaine, a lot of drugs other than cocaine, a lot of alcohol, a lot of sex workers... Just it's just a lot. It's kind of like the scene, pretty much the whole scene of the Joker. Yeah. Everything is so like you know. Yeah. Broken down and destroyed, and a lot of dancing in the street in the middle of an alley. Dancing Going. in the street. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the East Village, mind you, always had art in it, but the '80s just set it off. Like it just went wild with the art scenes. The East Village had an art scene before the '80s. And it even had an underground magazine that started in 1965, which is super cool. And I always kind of, I kind of wonder when I research about this stuff and I, I, I see them have magazines or anything else. I always wonder if people have this still, because it wasn't like it was a printed, like, you know, Time magazine or Life magazine, but it was just like this underground magazine. So, I mean, people around them that time have to, you know, have had it or maybe have it. Who knows? Maybe it's in people's grandparents' houses or or something like that. Now, the East Village in the 60s and 70s was really run down. Uh, not a lot of anything happening, which we kind of talked about that earlier, a lot of drugs. By the time 80s came, though, the East Village was this place to be. Like, if you went to New York City for art or anything, you wanted to be in the East Village. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, everything was happening. Literally, Andy Warhol opened up his club. I think he had, like, Velvet Underground playing there as, like, one of the acts. Like, even... You know, unknown acts at the time. And by unknown, I mean unknown acts like Jimi Hendrix. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> really? Later on, Patty Arstor, I, I don't know if I'm saying her last name right, but she opened up what everyone in the East Village and everyone around that time period, they say is the first art village, or well, art, <laughs> art gallery in the neighborhood. And it was actually called Fun Gallery. Now, this is where artists like Lady Pink, Futura 2000, Basquiat, and Keith Haring were all featured. After this gallery opened, just galleries started popping up weekly in the neighborhood and just threw the East Village into the must-be place for the art world. If you weren't in the art scene and you weren't at the East Village, you just weren't cool. 
Now that we have the scene set for Mark's move to New York, he moves to New York in 1982. And Mark's paintings are very stylized and easy to spot. Even if you are new to knowing who Costabi is, you can very easily spot a Costabi. He created the Costabi style as he coined it. That's these like faceless figures that are placed in these kind of surrealist looking scenes. And these figures are normally surrounded by like themes of love, anxiety, greed, or isolation. And his style pulls also from the master painters. He uses the technique, uh, wow, I butchered that. He uses the very classical technique Sumato, and it's spelled S-F-U-M-A-T-O, if y'all want to look that up. But it gives this airbrushed look to his paintings, and this technique is is basically when, like, tones or colors kind of gradually just blend into each other, and it just creates this very soft-looking transition between the highlights and the shadows. So even if you have no idea what a Costabi painting looks like, as soon as you look it up, you're just like, oh, this makes sense. Exactly how I explained it is exactly what these paintings mm-hmm. look like. I never saw his work until now. What do you think of it? It reminds me of an Aerosmith cover <laughs> or an album. Oh, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll, oh, we'll get he? to that. Does well, he? I don't know if he did Aerosmith color covers, but he did do album covers. Okay, yeah, I can so, see that. We'll, we'll get to that. Uh, Mark soon met one of his idols, which is Andy Warhol, and Andy inspired Mark by his use of productions. If you don't know Andy Warhol, very, you know, pop culture artist, he had this warehouse where he just kind of manufactured his artwork. And Mark kind of took that style and he just skyrocketed into the art world. I guess not the style, but he took that concept and he skyrocketed. In later interviews, as early as 2021, he says Andy was his mentor and he was always super sweet and witty. And Mark says he was always starstruck around him, which honestly, I would be too. Um, If I was in the art scene around the time Andy Warhol, yeah, I would just be like, oh my gosh, my heart would just be beating so fast. (laughs) So after his first initial meeting with Andy, this is what sets Mark on creating the well-known place of the 80s, and that is called Costaby World. And yes, it's it's actual building in a place. Now, what we are about to dive into, I can say that this is in fact... A world, a world that involved around one person, and that one person is Mark Costaby. So conceited. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Costaby World is in is a fifteen thousand square foot ultra mega studio that's right on West Thirty Eighth Street, and this building is still up today. It's now a car place. Basically, you can go and get your oil change right oh, where wow. Costume World used to be. That's cool. Um, now, that's obviously the bottom floor. I don't know what's on the top. It may, might be apartments or abandoned. But, yeah, you can walk into there and get get your oil change or car fixed. Or... If you're old enough, it can be like, back in my day. <laughs> Which is funny that you say that. <laughs> <laughs> because Costaby, in, in the documentary I watched, he actually takes a picture of what his gallery looked like, like his Costaby world. And he's like, yeah, look, this is what, like, you're in where I used, I used to own this. Oh, wow. So it, it, it was really kind of weird and cool that he got to go there. The Costaby world, this building, has three floors and all three w- floors have a set area that helps function what is Costaby. 
The first floor is called the think tanks, and this is where employees of Costabi just sketched out ideas. The second floor was where all the drawers were. These employees took those sketches from the first floor, refined them, and traced these final lines drawings onto canvases. And then the third floor is like the final piece that puts this like huge well-oiled machine were the painters and they would finalize anything they needed to like and complete the pieces. Now, once these pieces made it through all three of these levels, they would then be inspected by Costaby himself for kind of last minute refinements. Once the paintings were approved, Costaby would just add his signature and And then he would just, that's it. He's done. Such a lazy person. I would never do that. Good to know. Uh, yeah, no, I, don't. I can ne- never see myself doing that. I don't think I can like let go of that control. No. It's you know? just, no. No. A lot of you that are listening are probably like, wait, what? He he didn't even paint his own paintings? Well, that's another debate for another time. Because <laughs> that can go into the whole, is the idea the artwork? Yeah. Which, but he didn't even do his ideas. Holy shit. We'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that. Oh my gosh. So, I just did already. <laughs> yes. You are correct, listeners. Um, he took the Andy Warhol idea of kind of that assembly line, you know? Yeah, mass production. The mass production of it. But he took it in a way and changed it completely where he just hired employees to create his works without him actually touching anything but his signature. He took Warhol's idea, but then just went, went away with it. In interviews, his employees say that in like the seven years that cost to be world was around they only saw him paint twice let the sink sink in he twice yeah he calls himself a painter but in seven years only saw him paint twice the only thing he did was inspect and sign and his art reputation is insanely mixed like you have people that think his career is tragic you have others that think he's currently in the best prime of his life with his art career who knows it's literally a mixed bag Celebrities and art dealers would buy his work, though, and he would just insult them. He would literally tell buyers that anyone that buys his paintings are fools. I just, I can't imagine going to buying a painting and then just having the artist tell me, like, you're a fool for buying it and this is a fake. I didn't even paint it. Like, I don't, I just can't fathom of buying a, a painting. So maybe the East Village during the 80s was a different time. Who knows? At one point... In an interview, and you can look this interview up, you can find it, and he says Picasso is minor and he's above him. So the Cubism painter, Picasso, he says that he's just this minor painter and that he's well above Picasso. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't think his art's that good. Yeah. The people that were around Costaby in this time just kind of call him a half-ass entertainer. And he's just super mean. And only a few really actually say that he's really nice. So that's also mixed. Artists would want to trade their art for for his. You know how, I don't know, in college and now I just, I see some of my art friends and I'm like, hey, let's like trade work, right? And you just kind of swap work and just kind of have your own collection of of your friend's work. Well, he would tell these other artists to their face, cash, not trash. So just dissing other artists other artists straight to their face Hmm. when researching you can see interviews where he literally is just antagonizing the media anything that mark could do to get attention to put him on a show he did this is partly thanks to andy bergham we will get to andy in a bit that's a whole nother story (laughs) just know that a lot of 
what you see if you can find anything on YouTube. The interviews and stuff is a lot of it is thanks to Andy. So going back to Costaby World, we're going to talk more about the ins and outs of this kind of art world that he did. Now, Mark had about 40 employees, which he paid $4.50 an hour. What? To the highest I could find was $10.50 an hour. I'll do the math. You do the math because I'm not going to do the math. (laughs) And we'll see how much that is in today's money. I mean, just that little amount, I can tell that that he really underpaid his employees. And he also, he his fiance at the time, like during the 80s, he would pay her $300 a week for sketch ideas. Mm, so $4 is about $11.29 today. Okay. Which is above minimum, minimum wage, but still not enough for me. But if you think of it in retrospect, during that time, you're going to pay $4.50 to $10.50 an hour. But then these paintings are selling for a minimum of 4K to a max of 50K. Mm-hmm. So now, do you think he paid them well? No. No. And in 1988, it's shown that Costaby earned a million dollars just in that year. And he's still paying his employees 450 to 1050 an hour. Mm-hmm. They were extremely underpaid. <laughs> At one point, Mark had an ad to pay people to supply him with ideas. So this comes into the fact that like he didn't even have his ideas. Oh, wow. One of his former employees, Diana, answered this ad and she quit within six months of working there. Diana states that she produced 300 drawings in just the first two months. And she quit because she wasn't earning enough to like keep her afloat and to pay rent. Well, she later found out that one of her drawings was turned into a painting and is now in the like one of her drawings and ideas, right? It's now in the Guggenheim. She's a little upset because she didn't even get told that this was in the Guggenheim. Costavi replied and basically said, well, legally they are my paintings, which is true. And he says that the artists work on my time and they're paid for it. He's he's not wrong. But I also think like as the person to put your name on there, you would think you would tell your employee, even if they stopped working for you. He would tell them. But again, ego. His ego is uh, it's out of this world at this point. He says that fame is love. I feel like he just wants money. I don't even think he's doing it for the for the art anymore i just think he wants that fame and he wants the money mm. attention i don't think he has talent to begin with yeah so this is just a prime example of just really bad capitalism yeah yeah <laughs> I, I can see that i'm not sure if it's because of the 80s but mark was able to just make a killing in this art world maybe it was because of all the publicity he got He was literally on everything from People Magazine, CNN, even Oprah, and he was on the front cover of New York Magazine. And y'all know the show Miami Vice, not not the newest one, not the, the remake, the original Miami Vice show. There's literally an entire episode that's all around Mark Costaby's artwork. So you can find that today. That's how popular he was during this time period. TV shows had him on there, and he, he was even in... This show called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. He was on an episode of that. And now, later in an interview, he does state that he was flat broke when he filmed that episode. But I don't know for sure. I couldn't find anything on that. But he was still famous. Yeah, but he's famous. So the 80s were Mark's kind of just territory. And he was soaking it all in. Now, before we head into the 90s, we're going to talk about Andy Bergman. The guy that I mentioned earlier that kind of put uh, Mark on the map for publicity. 
Andy's what got Mark on the shows and interviews. And the more outrageous things Mark did and Andy pushed him to like go on these shows and do all this stuff. So these two were kind of just like a perfect twisted combination. And Andy was a journalist that actually went to interview Mark and he told him, I can sell, I can sell your paintings. Kind of just how this all started. And at one point, Mark hired a criminal to act like him and sign costumes in public. Like he literally put an ad in the newspaper that says criminals wanted. I mean, that's kind of nice giving people that, you know, were convicted a job. Yeah, but I... I <laughs> I'm not against that. What's wrong with you? <laughs> no, but you're, I you're against that. No, I'm not against that. I don't think that. I don't think that's what it was meant for, though. Oh. I think it was just to show, like, I don't know. I don't know what was going it on. It seems like they had a really nice bromance and a <laughs> yeah. good partnership. Yeah, they they probably did. I mean, as far as I know, they were really great great they friends, and you know, they they were just this crazy duo. And the crazier Costby was, the better it helped Andy to put him on the stuff and get those phone calls. Now, this is kind of where things turn for the worse for Andy and Mark. Because Mark was such a dick and he just pushed people too far, Andy decided he was gonna get back at him. And so... Oh no. I don't know if it was like a get back at him, but it could have been. Andy paired up with a German artist named Bita and she helped forge his paintings and they both started selling them. So basically they cut out the middleman and that middleman was Mark himself. And so he made millions on, well, I don't know millions, but he made quite a bit of money on selling these forgeries. And so Mark took him to prison or not prison, took him to, to court. court. Yeah, yes, okay. took wow, him to prison. you skipped a step right there. I did. <laughs> took him to court and he I, he was supposed to serve at least 25 years and he only served five months. I don't know. He must have had a good defense lawyer. So the bromance went downhill. Okay. Yeah, the, the bromance went downhill. I really, th- I was going to say earlier, like hashtag life goals for <laughs> bromance, but I guess not. No, it's not life goals. I mean, if you were Andy, because you kind of, you, you made, made money, right? And then all you did was serve five months in prison and you're out. And he still has his journalist degree. And the cool thing about it is that since he had a record already, he can get hired. Yeah. Through the ad. Oh, yeah. Through the ad. Yeah. He could have just, oh my gosh, full circle. Yeah. It all makes sense. That's genius. Maybe that's why Mark Mark was like foreshadowing what was going to happen to Andy. So makes total sense though. Brilliant. We're headed into the 90s and Mark's reputation at this point is just downhill. He's anti-everything his eagle is insanely big his name is like a plague in the art world like you say mark costaby and people just kind of shiver they're just like yeah they (laughs) eye roll they're just like no i can't put into what the interviews i saw in like the things that i read he just he's so egotistical so he's like the kanye west of art yes oh my gosh yes like people love Kanye West and they hate him and that's the same thing with Mark. People love him and people hate him and it, you decide and I don't know. Costaby World obviously failed and he he went bankrupt and so the 90s were just not not good and the the artworks that were being created by the Costaby World before it fell the employees were just lazy and the work just kind of faltered so a lot of like you can kind of see the decline like if you look up Costaby paintings in like the early 80s and his almost like prime in the East Village to the late 90s, you can see that decline. And it's just because his employees were like, well, 
Well, wouldn't you? Like, knowing that the work that you put out, it's all this money. Well, I'll, yeah, that's... I'd be like, no. Yeah, I would I would just be like, well, screw that. I don't, don't want to do this. Because it still sells. Yeah. Even if it's still not good. Yeah. It still sells for a lot of money. Exactly. Now, at this point, Mark was flat broke. And this is when he started to do album covers to get money. He even painted a portrait of Bill Clinton when he was president. And he delivered it to him at an event in 1992. There's a video of him just holding this giant oil painting of Bill Clinton at an event while Bill Clinton's talking. He's just in the back, arms up, holding this painting. And he just, like, delivers it. And, of course, like, Bill Clinton is just like, oh, thank you for this painting. (laughs) And because Mark is very egotistical, right? In a cloud is a tiny self-portrait of Mark. (laughs) So (laughs) it's just, it's funny to look at. Plot twist. He didn't paint it. Oh, you know, he probably he didn't. Probably Most likely he didn't. Uh, he probably, he had one of, you know, the employees, whatever employees he had left, probably painted. Which now that I think about it, I didn't even think about that at the time when I was seeing that. Because it's different than his cost to be figures, you know, like the the style. He, he still has the, sufo, how, I always mess, I always mess this up. Suma fat. How, oh my gosh, I'm, 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 what is it? Sumato? Sumato. It sounds like you're like, uh... A giant fifa. <laughs> Maybe I am turning into a giant. Anyway, he has he has that. I same... smell the blood of an Englishman. <laughs> <laughs> he has that same style, but it's not obviously a faceless figure. It's Bill Clinton's face. <laughs> After this event, oh wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip ahead. I'm skipping ahead. I said that he did album covers. Well, we all know the little band Guns N' Roses, right? Well, their album, Use Your Illusion, uses Mark's piece. And apparently, according to Mark, Axl Rose went into the gallery and saw this piece and bought it. And they oh used gosh. it for an album cover. Two dicks getting together. Yeah. Axl Rose is another yeah. dick. And of course, Mark speaks highly of Axl Rose. And this album sold 36 million copies. So Mark made a big payday out of it. And it is a cool album cover. It's very 80s, obviously. It's very 80s. But it is a is a pretty cool very album cover. 80s in the 90s. No wonder they broke up. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they broke up because, of, you know, their front man. But... No, we're going to just say that they broke because of the, of, of Mark. Oh, specifically because... Yes, I think we're going to start a, a new conspiracy. <laughs> and we're going to say Mark. Hashtag Mark was the reason to break up Guns and roses that's a long hashtag um <laughs> hashtag mark did it uh, okay hashtag mark but then i feel like people might think we're talking about mark zuckerberg <laughs> we can just be cost to be did it that that's a better one he's still producing art at this time too but he just wasn't producing like he used to be in cost to be world like i said that that was that was just done there's no more cost to be world so his paintings in the u.s were not doing great and that's partly because he kind of just had a bad reputation like like i said he was a dick and the art market just wasn't there and there's a plague in the art world for his name surprisingly his paintings in europe and japan were flourishing they were just on the market people were buying them up so in 1996 mark moves from the u.s and moves to rome italy Mm. which is crazy this is where he finds success in the italian market and honestly to this day he's still successful in this market he has a house in rome 
and he lives there for part of the year and then he comes to the United States. So he's constantly going back and forth. From 1996 to about the early 2000s, Mark was still producing all of his work. And yes, the same way that he did in the 80s with Cosby World, but obviously less employees. So instead of 40 employees, he had like, you know, 10 employees. And so he was still producing, but there wasn't, he wasn't in the spotlight. You know, it's kind of just laying low and selling paintings. Now, he did have shows throughout this time. Like if you look up his shows, he has a, a bunch of shows all throughout from the 80s all the way to 2021 I, I think he might have some shows coming in 2022 but he's still working yeah he's still working i mean technically working yeah yeah te- call his work work yeah he's still working so i watched like i mentioned i watched this documentary that came out in 2009 called the con artist and i got a lot of my info from there but in in it he shows a painting that he actually painted and it's just terrible he even says it's terrible They show it and it doesn't even look like a Costabi, which is funny because he is Mark Costabi, but it's just not well done. It's not like it's the faceless figures is a typical Costabi painting, but it's just not blended well. And it's just it's messy. If you look in his paintings, there's very tight uh, lines and it's very like almost elegant looking. And it was just it was a mess. It was a hot mess. Yeah, I just I kind of chuckled at that part in the the documentary because I was like, wow, the one painting Uh, he's done in like the 2000s it's just bad (laughs) like i said mark flooded the european market for decades and in 2007 he had a sculpture he made a sculpture well he he hired he hired someone to make a sculpture and it was of the pope i forgot which pope but um in 2007 it was revealed to the current pope and so he he that's a huge deal <laughs> like in i, I can't like, that's just massive that's that's crazy and he got to meet the pope and he, which is also like a, a huge deal and so he he found success and the success he had in the united states when he was in the 80s is now kind of what he had in the european market and the italian market But what's crazy is, like, here, when we think of the 80s, we think of, like, as big-time artists, we think of, like, Andy Warhol and, like... Basquiat. Basquiat and... um, Keith Haring. Keith Haring. And then, like, what, like, Carrie Mae Weems and, Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, you just, you you think... Or Cindy Sherman was another one. Like, you just think of, like, these these artists that are still, like, well... Most of them are still currently working, but you most of them died, unfortunately. Yes. But nowhere in there is Costaby's name in Europe, it's like all of those names plus Costaby. So, like, when you mention the 80s art world in Europe, they're just like, Oh, yeah, like Costaby. And here, we're like, Wait, what? Like, who is that? Kind of funny that that's totally different on, on the art world. Well, speaking of that, I found a painting of his from 1988 on eBay. It's selling from England. Mm-hmm. Guess the price. Two it's grand. A, it's a 26-inch by 90-inch painting. Okay, so it's pretty big. I, I said two grand just a minute ago, but I'm going to change it. I'm, I'm going to say like four four to six grand. Four to six grand. Yeah. Um, It's going for $125,000. What? On eBay? On eBay, which, I mean, eBay does their own thing. Yeah, they do. But they're also charging for shipping. They're charging $275. I think at that price, they should just give free shipping. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you should. I mean, because you're, you're selling it probably way above market price. Because you said in 1990? 1988. Or 1988. So that was his biggest year. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, though, is like, yeah. like, And it's uh, a... a image of a piece that looks like a let me see silver oscar 
Oh. And also, <laughs> what? why did I think this was like a butt plug? <laughs> um, a very, like, that would be very painful. It has a pointy hat <laughs> looking thing. It kind of looks like the Tin Man from the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, it does. But... If he was like mummified and a butt plug. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, heck no. We shouldn't get, what if, what if Mark hears that and he starts like making a sculpture that like gets in the butt plug? <laughs> hey, uh, if you're listening, I'm a available to be hired. I can make that for you. Yeah, me too, actually. Just uh, pay me more than $4 and 50 cents yeah. or how many you paid. Yeah. I think they, I, I think, how about this? You just match a little bit above our salary now and then. <laughs> yeah, I'll make whatever you want. And then that's it. I'll, I'll, I'll pay for you. <laughs> no. You think I should buy it? There's an option. No. Buy it now. No, don't. We're not buying. I'm gonna add it to the cart. Please. Oh my <laughs> gosh, yo. Add it to my wish. Oh no, I'm gonna add I, it to my watch. I swear, if in the next few weeks I open the door and there's a giant painting, an imported box that's in the shape of this painting, I think I don't know what I'm gonna do. You know. Also, I, the the giant. I mean, I guess we could find it somewhere to fit in our decor of the house but i don't know if you know, our decor i'm gonna is... get off this page because i might click this buy now but yes don't buy and i'm gonna you can't go i'm back. gonna be obligated yeah to because buy. ebay has some like strict rules I, that happened to me once in high school i uh i was just kind of like looking at electric guitars and i accidentally clicked on the buy now and i was obligated and i felt bad saying telling the the seller like hey i made a mistake and i went ahead and bought it and i never used it <laughs> <laughs> i ended up giving it to my nephew and he was just like oh thank you i mean i guess it's it went to good use you know yeah i felt really bad i mean yeah i would have i would have felt bad in 19 or well in 19 yes in 1918 no in 2018 there was a show that featured 70 artists and it was called brand new art and commodity in the 1980s there's just one small problem with this show and that is one of the biggest names in the 80s isn't a part of the show. And let me, as you let me can guess, guess. Let me guess. Yeah, guess. Michael Jackson. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. How, how could you? Well, Was it Prince? It's Michael Jackson and Prince, actually. Prince. I, I messed up. It's two names. <laughs> no, it was Mark. Mark wasn't a part of the show. Now, the, the curator of the show... Gianni simply just stated he's not interested or like he's not relevant. Wow. He's not interesting or relevant and the works just aren't good. And Cosby, of course, he, he had to say something to this. And he stated that sometimes it's jealousy and the primal instinct of wishing ill on someone who is more successful than you are. They don't even look at the art. He also says, American art criticism is corrupted. Take what you want from that statement, but I honestly think it's just because of his reputation he left behind and his huge ego, which he claims he had back then, but he still doesn't. But I feel like he still does. I mean, just according to that statement. So what do you, what do you think about that? I think he's an asshole. Yeah, pretty much. I think he hasn't changed. So. But but honestly, though, if you look at the... If they have 70 artists of the 80s and you look at those artists, his work just doesn't... It's not up to par with that, with all those artists. So I understand from the curator. Well, I think if he would have made his own artwork and had his own ideas... 
right then maybe but but also if you think about it too some of the artists that are still around from the 80s they've morphed and shifted their artistic style and he has been consistently the same you can't like for well, maybe for, he keeps hiring the same person to do his work <laughs> <laughs> well he trains all the okay. artists to all do right. his costume style but what I mean is, like, it's hard to... Because you can look at artists and you can be like, okay, this set of work was in this certain time period. And then you can see the shift and you're like, any anything in this is, like, this time period. Mm-hmm. And with Costby, you really can't tell the difference unless it's, like, the early 90s when that was, like, fal- you know, faltering. It, his, his range is just... It's overall consistent. And in the art world... If you're kind of not, like, reforming and doing your thing and constantly, I guess, not educating, but almost, like, educating yourself, you kind of, like, go under the radar, which is what happened in the 2000s. He's just under the radar now. He had his almost peak in the 80s, and he's just kind of flat right now. (laughs) Okay, so you might be thinking, oh, wow, he was a dick, so let's shut him out. And I don't think it's necessarily right to to shut him out but i understand it because because you know like he's an artist like he he can draw like i've seen his college work and they're very like he is a very good artist like he can do it i don't think it's necessarily right for them to shut it out i get why they shut him out because he is a dick and there's maybe a chance that he could revamp himself possibly you don't think so no. right. yeah because he's he is just he's just pompous <laughs> I, I think I, the ego kind of overshadows the talent yeah. I think maybe he was more humble and, I don't know, down to earth. Then I'll kind of feel more like, you know, happy for him. Right. Like, you know, or like sympathy in a way. Right. But the fact that he's kind of arrogant and comes off as very abrasive kind of turns me off. Yeah. I just want to slap him all the time. Yeah. I don't even know him. But just my research and interviews, I just I just want to Like even, okay, so even in the con artist documentary, he like goes crazy. He's like, I think he's tipsy or drunk. And he's just, like, rolling on the floor, and he's, like, yelling. And then the artwork that was so terrible, he, like, starts drawing all over it and adding to it. And then at the end of it, he's like, oh, see, you got the crazy artist aspect of me. So it's really just, like, even the... He was trying to, like, fool the documentary. I think uh, I think also, too. like, he's more, like, that's part of the show. Yeah, like, he, he, he's he, an he, act. He is part of the artwork. You know, and uh, one... one person said that he's so far into it like he can't get out like he's just an irony like he's a black hole of irony mm-hmm. and i kind of i agree with that yeah like i think it's kind of going back to the kanye west reference like yeah kanye has like had good albums and good music but i think the whole controversy and like being in the spotlight also adds to his fame yeah it makes you it know, does. him more like notable and yeah because people eat it up yeah. no matter what so people stop feeding the ego yeah Stop feeding it. Stop. Just stop it. Now, there is one major issue that I think is one of the many reasons for his downfall in like the American market. And that was his Vanity Fair interview in 1989. So in this article, he stated that these museum curators that are for the most part homosexual have controlled the art world in the 80s. Now they're all dying of AIDS. And although I think it's sad, I know it's for the better. Let's just take a moment to unhear. Yeah, he done goofed for sure. Yeah. Now in, I want to say, I have it in the show notes. It was Artsy or Artnet. He didn't, they asked him about this quote. And this was um, a couple years ago. They asked him about this quote. 
<laughs> Mark states that it doesn't reflect his real soul and being. So he doesn't feel guilty. He just feels stupid. And he also stated that this and other media interviews were part of his performance and act. That's just like in the time, in the 80s, especially you, I mean, you had Reagan as president. You had the AIDS epidemic. You had all this stuff and you, you are in an interview for Vanity Fair, which by in that time, Vanity Fair was a pretty popular magazine. And you're just, yeah, bashing homosexuals. It's not cool. That's not cool. And that's, it's one of, that's one of his biggest issues. And I honestly feel like, you know, the 2018 gallery show, I, I feel like that's part of the reason why. Because, you, you know, you can look him up and you can see these interviews and you can read about him. And so anybody that's kind of new to the art world can look that up. And it's just kind of like he has that. On, on him forever like you can find it and people are gonna be like well why do you have this dude like yeah <laughs> especially like today well like, we live in a, a lot of uh you know people will, will cancel each other yes yeah cancel culture and then i can definitely see the the you know a lot of people will be upset as they mm-hmm. should and over I, this. I, I think that's why he's and then they'll cancel the show you know yeah or like oh make the show not as successful which it, it's unfair for the other 69 artists right exactly and i think that's part of the reason why he's staying so low you know and just kind of like i don't know profiting off the european market but I, I have no idea. So, <laughs> Mark... What did he do with all this money? I'm just curious. I don't know, because he went... In the 80s, he went bankrupt. I mean, like, he I, was I, broke. I, well, I, no, I not bankrupt, he was broke. I mean, I understand the 80s were like, life was, like, excess. Like, cars, well, it, drugs, I mean, he, and Drugs and everything, and... But, save up some money. Okay, this is a good note for everybody listening. If you're an artist and become famous, just save up some money. Just put like yeah. a few thousand or a few. You, you know, know you know what I think did him in though is buying a fifteen thousand three story building in, in New York. New York. <laughs> yeah. I think that that I mean I can't imagine well, how much it costs. how much that costs and like the upkeep of it and paying people and then paying people on top of it and that's not even. The, that's not okay. So if you think about it, he has the upkeep of that cost to be world, the building, right? The people. That's not counting the canvases, mm-hmm. and I don't even know if he made the canvases or bought. Most likely, he made them because that was a. He hired someone. He hired someone to make them, and then his paints and the brushes. Like there's so there's so much money that goes into not just like the time to do the paintings, but the material for the paintings. So, yeah, all of his money probably went to them. He has done good for himself, though. He's actually in 60 world-class museums. <laughs> in the documentary, they reached out to, like, the Guggenheim and the Met because they have they have Costumes in their permanent collection, but they're obviously, like, not on display. They're in their permanent they're collection. They're in the basement. <laughs> they won't comment. Oh. They refuse to comment on, on in the documentary. Now, I don't know if it's just because it's a documentary, but or if it's just because of the bad... Na- like the bad thing that he has to his name like you know nobody like you say cost to be and people shiver in the art world so maybe that's why the coolest thing i think is the coolest thing is that he is the only modern artist today that sold out a gallery in the soviet union before the fall of the soviet union in the height of like the cold war what year do you know in the height of the cold war when was that in the 80s for yeah. sure yeah and then after that you know it went all 
Probably yeah. no. <laughs> so I, I think that's really cool, though. That like, honestly, cool. that is really cool. To have, like, a sold-out show in the Soviet Union before it was, you know, fell. I mean, at one point in the 80s, he had, you know, this building. And honestly, he was he was able to achieve that. And then he had his downfall. And then in the later years, he's kind of just been selling his work and he's he's been living pretty pretty nice i mean he can travel to the u.s and rome he has a place in rome has a place in the u.s so he's not doing too bad and in today's world given all this information on mark it's kind of up to you to decide if he really was if he wasn't acting just an ass and insulted people or if you know he he really was this way and also if you truly think he's an artist or a painter what about jeff coons Yes. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> this is this is the exact. I have not honestly before this before I sat down and you know was talking. I have not really heard of Mark. Mm-hmm. Honestly, to be honest. Yeah, not a lot of people have. Tbh, hashtag tbh. Um, but it is very similar to Jeff Koons. Jeff yeah. Koons is, is an artist that I'm really aware of, and I know he's out of the same scene. The East Village. We'll have to do an episode on Jeff Koons. Because they were in the same world. but Same time. At the same time. But the thing is, though, is I don't think Jeff Koons was doing what Jeff Koons does today in the 80s. No, Jeff Koons, from my understanding, he started out as an actual artist working. So, but I think he just adapted or adopted the whole well, mass production. Well, what I think, well, what could be is he saw Costaby and then he saw the downfall. And so maybe he just took his idea and just was like, well, I'm not going to be a dick to people. Yeah. So who knows? Despite what you may think i do think martin did pave a way through the art world and like gave us a very unique style that has inspired a lot of young artists it is a different style and it's a it's very 80s even to this day it's still very 80s but you do have to credit him and being able to i mean buy a whole entire building and produce this stuff and like like he was a household name and which was kind of crazy to think an artist just a regular painter was a household name so i think he did pave stuff for artists he just was a dick if you do want to see mark's current paintings he's on instagram he's on youtube he's on facebook and he also has a website I did watch some of his YouTube videos. So, you know, because his mom was a pianist and his dad built instru- uh, built instruments, he, he plays the piano and he creates music. So he, he classifies himself as a composer as well. Does he pay someone? No. No, he actually pays. Yeah, I've seen the video. He, he's playing. Um, so, yeah, if you want to check him out on, on YouTube, you can. So is that your final takeaway? That is my final takeaway on what is Mark Costaby. But he's just a dick, and I don't, I don't know, I don't, as an artist myself, I, I just don't like the fact that he hired people to paint, and then seeing him actually paint is just crap. Because, like, if you don't use it, you lose it. It's, that's what it is. So, it, all these years of him paying people, he could have been working on his craft and improving his craft, but instead he was just banking on money. So, that's, that's what I feel about, about him. My final takeaway is very similar but i think the fact that he was able to like in a way um insult the people that bought his work i think that's genius Be- yes because it is. i think my thing about it is that he just kind of like just telling people that you're dumb for buying stuff from me uh knowing that he's very controversial but then the fact that people just blindly just bought his work and then 
not knowing the full background behind it. Yeah. They're just going for like the the name behind it, or the, you know, just just they're doing it just to to say that they bought something from yeah, East exactly. Village artists. Exactly. And not really, you know, not really doing it for like the talent or for the taste of the artwork. They're just doing it for the you know the name. They can put it on the wall, or later on sell it and say that they bought it from you know. Yeah, the artists. like there's there's video footage of him insulting people and the people are just like the buyers are just like yeah you're right and it's it's such a genius marketing tool because it's almost like you're insulting the buyer and you know they're gonna buy it anyway but the more you insult them the more they just want to buy it because if you walk away then like if the buyer walks away then he has more to talk about because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, I guess you really don't want to buy. I mean, yeah. You know, it's such a genius marketing. You're you're almost stuck in that, in that world. So I think besides the fact that you know, obviously he hired people to come up with ideas and do the work. I think that's kind of like I don't know. I would say impressive, ingenious, very smart. Obviously, you know, Jeff Koon does it now, and other artists probably do it too. But I think the fact that he was kind of like doing that ahead of his time. I know, like, uh, Andy Warhol did it to a point, but, mm-hmm. but you know, he was kind of, like, more... Mark was more like a celebrity, in a way. Yeah. Like, controversial celebrity. Yeah, he was. Uh, and my thing would be, if you are a person interesting, interested in buying artwork from a person, make sure you buy artwork from an artist that has, you know, your, something that you like, the taste. <laughs> like, if you have a particular taste or... You know, thing that you want to get from an artist. Do it. Support your local artists. And try not to support people that pay someone not much money for their work. Thanks for joining me on this art history adventure. I hope you learned a lot today. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. The resources I used are Con Artist Documentary, People Magazine article from 1988, Vanity Fair article from 1989, Artnet, and Costaby on Costaby conversations with an artist on YouTube. Thank you to my husband for always supporting me and my brother for creating the beautiful music you heard on today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any episodes and I'll be back next week. Bye! Costaby. K-O-S-T-A-B-I. I'm dyslexic. I know. S. K O S S T T A A B. Oh, I found it. Yeah, I watched that. See, his those are his paintings. Doesn't he look like a dick? <laughs> we'll get into. It. Oh my gosh, he's totally a dick. I know, right? <laughs> okay, now that you know, kind of like what he what he looks like. He's. Like a cross between um, Jeff Koons and... Well, it's funny you say he's a cross between Jeff Koons because he does exactly what Jeff Koons does. And Jeff Koons... Okay, so like I watched this interview and Jeff Koons was asked like, oh, do you know Mark Cosby? And he's like, Mark who? Like (laughs) acting all like, you know, his Mark Koons self. Oh my gosh. Even though he knew... Because he grew up not grew up but he was around like him and jeff coons were in the same art world so he knew mark costaby jeff coons gives me the eva gbs i know right like he uh 
don't know, it just kind of gives me like this really uptight religious person. Yeah, I could see that. Every time I show it to like students and stuff, people that I know, like videos of them, they don't like them. Yeah. He's it? Yeah. Alright, let's continue. I have to... My stomach hurts. You're probably sick. Yeah, probably. Most likely. It's the it's the corona. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The corona? The beer or the Yeah, other? the beer. Okay, good. Yeah, the beer for sure. <laughs>